0: 9 o'clock, appreciate you joining us, Jim, along with the Buckeye boy from the Bozarth Miller Chevrolet Buick Studios, the most trusted name in automobiles. It's Monday, the good, the bad, the ugly. A lot of good from the weekend. Montrose girls basketball team into the grade 8. And the 5A tournament for the Monument Boys into the 6A grade 8. And you also have the Montre- the uh, excuse me, the Cabernet Mesa men's basketball team and the Maverick women both sweeping this last weekend at New Mexico Highlands and CSU Pueblo, and it's time to talk a little Maverick basketball this morning with men's coach Mike DeGeorge.
1: Talking Colorado Mesa men's hoops with Mavs coach Mike DeGeorge on the team.
0: And joining us right now on the team line, head coach of the Maverick men's basketball team, fresh off Wednesday mentioned over uh, victories at Highlands and CSU Pueblo, Mike DeGeorge joins us. Good morning, Mike. How are you?
2: Morning, Jim. Doing well. Thanks for having me.
0: Thought we'd, we'd grab you early today since you'll be on the road tomorrow heading to to Westminster to take on the Griffins. So, uh, for your basketball team, uh, just finished up being on the road uh, at New Mexico Highlands and then at uh, CSU Pueblo on Saturday. And going back to the Highlands game on Friday night, uh, high-scoring game. Very much an NBA kind of score in this one. 116-108, to 108, uh, your Mavericks prevail as uh uh, boy, Trevor Baskin, what an incredible game. 43 points for Trevor Baskin in that game. We'll talk more about uh, his performance in just a moment. But also your team from the foul line that um, you break the NCAA free throw record. You go, you started out, of course, uh, 33 of 33 from last weekend against School of Mines in Metro State. You go and, and shatter that with uh, a mark of 58 out of 58. Congratulations on that record. And uh, it, it just goes to show how good this team is in, in terms of getting to the foul line because you have to get those opportunities, Mike, to make that happen, but then cashing in uh, from the foul line the way you have.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's kind of hard to explain, honestly. We really hadn't shot the, the ball very well from the free throw line this year. We've been a little disappointed with that. And so maybe it's just the law of averages even out because we do have a good shooting team. And so, but it was timely because, you know, obviously with. Uh, Matt Greenecker being out these last two weeks, um, you know, having, you know, I think missing two free throws over both weekends uh, has been key for us to get all four wins.
0: Well, something we weren't surprised about is you set a, uh, a new school record with 298 and, and adding to that, obviously hope to, uh, made threes in a season. It broke the previous mark of, of 293 back in 2021-2022. That's, that's not a number that you're surprised, I think, that this team was able to, to break.
2: No, that was certainly the goal when the year started, and, you know, we obviously the game has changed, and we continue just to be a little bit perplexed. I think everyone that follows any basketball at any level, just how impactful a three-point shot is, and, you know, what are the ends to how much you can shoot it and not have it positively impact the outcome for your team. And, you know, it's just, as an example, I was looking at some stats the other day, and we're... You know, we, we lead the nation in two-point field goal percentage. We, we shoot over 65% uh, on twos, but we've shot less twos than anybody in the country. And so, you know, we've just been really selective in terms of those two-point shots. When that help comes, we're going to move the ball to the open three. So if the help doesn't come, you know, we have great finishers, um, and when the help does come, they've moved the ball. And it's hard to just let Trevor get in there and, and finish one-on-one um, and so, you know, that's what teams have done for the most part, and if they continue to do that, we'll kick it out for threes. Now, Friday night, New Mexico Highlands, uh, got to give Mike Dominguez credit as a very creative game plan. He basically just denied our shooters not only shots, but cuts, too. They basically just space guarded those guys. Wouldn't let them cut, wouldn't let them get threes, and so they basically let just Trevor and Christopher Speller play two-on-two on the paint, uh, and, uh, you know, those two combined for 64 points in that game, and obviously led us uh, to, a, to a tight victory.
0: Well, Trevor Baskin has been playing as well as anybody in Division II basketball uh, during this recent stretch. 43 points, third highest single game scoring total in program history. Two points behind uh, who was a Division Two player of the year and Ryan Stephanie. He was an incredible player and he played for the Mavericks. And some guy named John Baskin who happens to be the all-time leading scorer in Maverick history. Oh yeah, and he's also Trevor's dad as well. I... I I, I, I'd love to hear the, the conversation between John and and Trevor about uh, just coming up a little bit short of the old man's record.
2: Well, uh, to be honest, Trevor was kind of disappointed because on the scoreboard at Island, they had up there that he scored 45. And uh, <laughs> Trevor is very aware of that record, not only because of his dad, but he worked on the summers with Ryan Steffen as well. So I think that was pretty important to him that he'd gotten there. <laughs> And then when we actually got the stats, sheet at 43. So uh, he was a little disappointed. He thought he tied those two, which would have been
0: pretty cool. <laughs> just came up a little bit short. That the moment of jubilation, then oh no, that's not exactly yeah. what I got. That's, <laughs> but it uh, came up just a little bit short. But still a tremendous performance for uh, for Trevor Baskin on that one. And then you go to CSU Pueblo. It's always a you know a bit of a challenging road trip going from from Highlands going up uh, you know going up the interstate to to play in in Pueblo and. Uh, you had a real dogfight while it was a high scoring game at Highlands. This was more of a defensive struggle at times in this game. Eighty two to eighty. You get the win against CSU Pueblo. Trevor Baskin had seventeen. Christopher Speller had sixteen. Mick McCurry had fourteen for you, Mike, in a in a much tighter affair at Masari Arena than the one that you had at New Mexico Highlands.
2: Yeah, I mean, First off, their their game, Westminster, who's our travel partner, so they played at Highlands on Saturday, and Pueblo, their Friday night game, got, uh, got postponed Friday night with like 10 minutes to go in the game because of a power outage. So then both teams only had to play uh, 30 minutes that first night. And then the 116-108 game, I think, took a lot out of both of us and Highlands, and they lost to Westminster on Saturday night. And, you know, that second half, we didn't make a lot of perimeter shots. Our legs were pretty tired. And then... You know, for Trevor, he actually got sick in the, on the bus on the way up to, to Pueblo, so he ended up, uh, you know, really losing a lot of fluids, and, and he was not quite himself on Saturday, and it was really an impressive effort, like, you know, he, was, he gutted through it, and he had that huge three, and he had the big steal to kind of secure the victory in those last two minutes, and it's a lot of credit to him and his character that he was able to battle through that and still find a way to make a major contribution.
0: Yeah, no doubt. Trevor, as you mentioned, with the steal, 12 seconds left, and then got to the free throw line to to win the game at CSU Pueblo. And so, Mike, your team is now tied. It's still tied with Fort Lewis, uh, both 19-1 uh, and 1 in the RMAC right now. You're 23-3, and 3, they're 24-2. and 2. Though, boy, it seemed like for a moment you guys were going to jump into the, the lone spot atop the RMAC uh, uh, they almost lost, uh, to South Dakota Mines, uh, came up, uh, where they were able to come up with a, a, a really close victory, 86, 83, but it's some good news in terms of regional play too, that number one, West Texas A&M and number eight, uh, Dallas Baptist, they both lost this past weekend. So almost, almost got everything you wanted, which would have been a, of course, a, a, a Fort Lewis loss at, uh, at South Dakota Mines.
2: Yeah, you know, right now we just take care of what we can control. And the fact of the matter is that we can win these two this week, we win at least a share of a conference championship, which is an incredible accomplishment. And, um, you know, this group has had so much success, it starts to become normal like it does, you know, not to compare to our baseball program, but they've won every conference championship since 2011. Like, you know, but there are 15 teams in the league and they're all trying to win. And so to be able to, to win it, uh, a share back-to-back would be incredible. Um, you know, and we won it uh, three years ago, and two years ago, we were half a game back, and so, you know, this has been an incredible run by this group, and we'll be honoring those seniors on Friday, and or excuse me, Saturday night, and, and um, you know, so it's just really a remarkable accomplishment if we can do it uh, again, and, and, you know, Fort Lewis obviously has a really tough weekend playing at, at Metro and at Mines uh, this weekend, so we'll see how that plays out, but just if we can control our own deal here and you know the other remarkable thing is we're trying to close out an undefeated road season in the RMAC, which is, you know, almost impossible to do. And last year, you know, our only loss uh, in the RMAC on the road was at Westminster. So, you know, a big challenge ahead for us tomorrow night against a team that's playing well and plays very well at home.
0: You know, Westminster right now uh, eight and seventeen overall. They're they're last in the Armac at four and fifteen. But they've, as you mentioned, Mike, been playing better basketball. Most notably, that upset win. At New Mexico Highlands uh, this past weekend, when they won seventy-five to seventy-one, where, where Trey Wood had a, a big game in that won 27 points to lead the way for Westminster. What's been different, maybe, about their team since when you played them earlier in the season?
2: They actually played really well in our place, and I, we had a very difficult time guarding them. You know, their problem all year has been their defense. They, they are missing several of their better players; that have been out for the year with the major injuries. Um, so, you know, they've been a little undermanned. Uh, but, you know, they continue, Norm Parrish is a great coach, and he continues to help them improve, and they're getting better at the defensive end, and, you know, they held Highlands to 71, Highlands scored 108 on us, and so, you know, it'll it'll be a big challenge for us to go over there, and, you know, it's just a different environment of games over there, and it's a Tuesday night, so not only do they not usually draw very well, and it's kind of a dead environment on a Tuesday night, you know, there's literally maybe no one in the gym on a team that's, you know, eliminated from the postseason, but, You know, it's a meaningful game for us, and it's a meaningful game for them to to just compete and get a get a you know a signature win for their season if they're able to get us. So, um, you know, it's it's a a really important game. And you know, my message to the team this tonight when we get to Westminster for practice will be, I think it's the most important game of the year. You know, we got a chance to to secure uh, this road win and and secure an undefeated season on the road and set ourselves up. Uh, to go win on senior night and, and win a conference championship. And so, you know, it's just an incredible opportunity, but the challenge is real. I mean, it's 1,500 miles uh, that we've traveled since Thursday, and we'll be in a bus for 26 to 28 hours. I mean, it's, it's a lot to ask of the guys, and uh, particularly when we're a little on demand right now.
0: With Westminster and Western, we'll talk more about them coming up. They're, they're two of the teams that are in the, the bottom half of the conference right now. They're out of uh, contention for the RMAC tournament. You know, they they'd be the classic, you know, back to back trap games. How much do you have to talk to your guys about that? Or is this something that they just they just know what's at stake and they know who they're playing and they know they have to to, to, to really try to, to tune out what the records are of these two teams and then the fact that you've beaten both these teams already.
2: Yeah, I think that, you know, first off, I think tonight it's just that it's just or for tomorrow, it's just this discipline challenge. And so like you just have to recognize that your body doesn't want to do that, you know, and your mind has the will you to, to be inspired and make an inspired effort. And um, and so I think there's a lot of talk about that. And then, you know, um, we do have six guys that are going to go through senior night. They all have another year of eligibility, but uh, several of them decide to graduate and move on because they want to go to grad school um, and, and not continue to play. And then the others are kind of trying to figure out whether they want to come back or not. But, We will make it about our seniors on Saturday, and this group has been incredible for for us for a long time. And I think that playing for each other and and really trying to secure that for our seniors will be a lot of inspiration. So really, it's about Tuesday night and just trying to find the motivation uh, over the the tired body.
0: As you mentioned uh, on Saturday, Mike, senior night for your basketball team, when you take on Western, uh, you went up there and and picked up the victory against them uh, on the road earlier uh, in the season when you uh, you were able to win 67-45. Though they've got a little bit of momentum, it's it's a rivalry game, and so that always plays a, a role in it as well. But they're coming off that win against uh, UCCS 84-82, to where they uh, they were down by a point at halftime, but they uh, were able to come back and uh, ended up winning the game in overtime 84-82.
2: Yeah, they, you know, the coach is new and he's, he took over a difficult situation to kind of, uh, you know, because the, the, they hired a coach who who then left after a month and, and a couple of players went on the portal after uh, the new coach was the first new coach was hired and then he left. And so, uh, you know, they, it, it was a difficult set of circumstances. They've really had a remarkable year. And when we played them, their two best players were injured and out that night. So, you know, they will come in and they are going to be free and loose. and letting it fly and, and really playing with a lot of freedom, whereas, you know, there's a lot more pressure on our guys. And it's funny how, you know, when a guy's in contention for playing time, you know, sometimes he gets a little tight and doesn't shoot as well. Then you put him on the scout team and you're like, you're the scorer on that other team. Well, then we just can't stop him, you know. So it's kind of that mentality where they've been freed up to just play loose and, and let it fly and, to, and, and people tend to play better that way. Uh, without that pressure on them and so you know we're gonna have to be really mentally tough and and, and take on the challenge of uh, playing a team that's uh really grinded it out this year and been competitive all year
0: when you beat them up a western the last time xavier harris is the only player for them in double figures with 10 points tyler halligan though who only had six against you the last time he had a really good game against uccs uh, finished up with with 14 points uh went five of ten from the field hit a couple of threes for them so uh, the, the freshman guard, the redshirt freshmen started to come on for, for the Mountaineers a little bit.
2: Yeah, and, you know, they, they've kind of got different guys on different nights. And, you know, they just have been really, uh, you know, a, a solid defensive team. And then they just run a ton of little sets uh, that are tricky to deal with. And and uh, and so, you know, it'll be a big, uh, big preparation for us on Thursday and Friday after getting back from this uh, trip on Tuesday night.
0: All right, so i will have coverage tomorrow night. Maverick men and women at Westminster. Women's pregame at 515. They'll tip it at 530. Minutes 730. Same for Saturday uh, for senior night for the Maverick men and women when they take on Western right here on the team. CMU Sports Network Maverick Basketball brought to you by Ken Richards State Farm. Mike, appreciate it. Thank you so much. All right, uh, thanks, Jim. All right, Mike George, coach of the Maverick men's basketball team, with us on the program this morning. All right, so uh, do we have a winner yet for the number game today, by the oh, way? Oh, we
3: got winners. We got lots of winners.
0: Lots of winners. Okay, well, let's let's roll them out. Oh, let's try that again. Let's roll them out. <laughs> and now, ladies and gentlemen, the winner of the contest. It's another winner on the Team Sports Network.
3: Yes, correctly identifying 19 of the other 29 Major League Baseball teams have had 100 win seasons since the rockies came about that would be old mr baker bob correct job old mr Baker, numbering 19 and the winner of our tickets to the men's conference mike and scott okay so, so that'll be you for have Friday. their information for that i emailed you I okay so. very good so we'll on
0: air and we will send these out to josh Iowa. yes pastor josh cook out at uh, victory life church and you'll be on the list to uh, go to the Strong and Courageous Men's Mm -hmm. Conference. Uh, You can go to the Victory Life Church website to get signed up for it, by the way. All right, uh, text or call us today on the team line. It's the good, the bad, the ugly from the weekend, 970-242-1340. We'll take a break. Coming up next, we'll talk with women's basketball coach Taylor Wagner. They'll be at Westminster tomorrow night. That's coming up next on the Team Sports Network online at theteam1340.com.
1: Yeah, I think they're like the best on the radio, at least at the pro level, the best of the best, the Jim Davis show on Colorado's sports leader, the team talking Colorado Mesa women's hoops with Mavs coach, Taylor Wagner on the team.
0: And with us right now on the team line, Maverick women's basketball coach, Taylor Wagner joins us. Taylor. Good morning. How are you? Good. How you doing? Always uh, great to talk with you. Great weekend for your basketball team. You get the sweep at New Mexico Highlands, also at uh, CSU Pueblo. And uh, for Laura Gutierrez, she reaches 1,000 points uh, in her career uh, with that victory at New Mexico Highlands. She played so well against them when you hosted them at Brownson Arena. Didn't have quite as good a game as that night, but still a pretty good game. Uh, she she had 11 points. She hit three threes to get to 1,000 points in her career and also uh, lead your team to a victory against the Cowgirls.
4: Yeah, we're happy for her. You know, I know uh, that was a big deal for her, and she's playing really well for her. So, you know, we're glad that right now she's kind of playing at a high level and hitting her shots, and, and uh, we need her to kind of continue to do that throughout the season.
0: Well, the, the usual suspects, though, stepped up, and uh, most notably, uh, Olivia Reed, along with Laura. But uh, Olivia Reed, 22 points in that game. Uh, she uh, also hit a couple of threes for your basketball team. But uh, Olivia, with uh, 10 out of 11 from the field, um, she she did in just 21 and a half minutes of playing time. So pretty productive, pretty efficient when she was on the floor against the Cowgirls on Friday.
4: Yeah, I mean, I was so proud of her. You know, she came out, she set the tone. I think the first shot she missed, and then from there on out, she made every shot and just really kind of dominated. Uh, you know, the girls were looking for her, and she made some great moves and um, just had a great weekend for us for both nights and uh, was really stepping up and being a great leader for us.
0: Well, and she backed that up with a 14-point performance against uh, CSU Pueblo the following night in a 62 62- to 47 victory. And so, with that win, Taylor, your team jumps uh, to the top in the armac standings. Uh, Adams State, uh, the only team of that group that, that has a win against you, and you're only meeting, and they have to go on the road. One of their matchups is, is at uh, Cover School of Mines this weekend. But uh, your team at the top of the conference standings and a good spot to be uh, heading into the final two games of the regular season.
4: Yeah, I mean, we've been working for this all year long, and uh, I'm just glad we're in a position where we're at and we kind of control our own destiny and you know with the with the two games coming up one tomorrow and and then western on saturday um you know the worst we can do is tie for an armac championship and that'd be awesome for this team and everything they put in we've gotten better throughout the year and and i can just tell there's a different sense for them they're a little more hungry than they've been and so i'm excited for these next couple of weeks
0: Taylor Wagner, coach of the Maverick wins basketball team with us. One of the keys to getting that win at CSU Pueblo was, was controlling Alicia little. And you guys did that really uh, pretty much shut her out in the entire second half of that game on Saturday.
4: Yeah. I we went in and kind of talked at halftime. She had 16 points and 10 rebounds at halftime. And we like, we've got to control her a little bit more. She was getting, you know, just keeping extra possessions going and, Really, she'd jump everybody or tip it to a teammate. And, and so I felt like the second half we did a better job on her and kind of limiting her touches and, and keeping her off the glass. She just is such a dynamic player and, and impacts the game every single way. So um, our girls really kind of clamped down. And our defense this weekend was great. I mean, from field goal percentage to what we held them to scoring-wise, uh, they're stepping up and, and playing you know, like it's like it's February and late February and March. So I'm glad we've kind of got to that point. And we're really trust they're trusting themselves too on on the defensive end that they can do things and and be able to you know play on ball, play off ball. You know, we talk about playing in special situations and then recovering, and they're doing it at all levels right now.
0: Taylor Wagner, coach of the Maverick women's basketball team, with us on the Team Sports Network. Maverick women are 22 and five overall, 16 and four in the conference. Regis at 16 and four, Adam State 16 and four, UCCS at 16 and four, and that uh, that log jam atop the conference standings right now. And so Taylor, when you look at these final two games of the regular season, kind of like your counterparts, the Maverick men playing a couple teams are in the bottom half of the Armex standings. Both the Western and Westminster are with the Mountaineers next to last, the Griffins last in the conference right now couple of games you can't overlook you have uh, westminster coming up on tuesday night at home against western on saturday but a couple of teams that uh, despite the records that don't you have to approach this as two uh, potential trap games for your basketball team
4: yeah for sure and I, we don't we're not even talking about records for me it's kind of more like the history of um you know the history against westminster and the history against western and how do those games usually you know take place and Westminster's a tough place to play on the road and you know it, it's a quick turnaround for us I think this is you know our third state that we're going to be in and and uh, it, it kind of seems weird that we're already getting on the bus here in a couple hours but um, that's kind of what I've taken the approach about is we've got to do a great job of locking in these games don't, maybe don't impact them playoff wise but they still want to compete and they're still playing against Mesa and so it'll be a big game for both, both of our opponents.
0: Last time you played Westminster, you beat them at Brownson at 81 to 38. And that was a game where Olivia Reed had a, a huge game, double, double, 26 points, 11 rebounds. And when you look at uh, what you did in terms of rebounding against them, you dominated the glass uh, 42 to 27. And that'll be, I'm sure uh, another point of emphasis for your basketball team against the Griffins Tuesday.
4: It is. Yeah. I mean, we've, we've got to continue to crash the boards and, I like it early on in the year it just seemed like we had one or two that would that were kind of like chasing balls down but now it's kind of everybody that's getting and rebounding out of their area and and uh, we need to continue to do that and, you know they understand I always kind of say hey would you rather you know chase it down 10 feet or go and run back 90 feet so you know they're buying into that and and uh, chasing those balls down especially on the offensive side for us.
0: Taylor Wagner, coach of the Maverick women's basketball team, with us on the Team Sports Network, and then uh, Western for Senior Night for your basketball team. Uh, you went up to Gunnison and beat them seventy-six to seventy in double overtime, where Olivia Reed had the the huge game with with thirty points for your team. Kylie Kravig had fifteen, and for Westminster, uh, Ivy Schmidt led the way with eighteen points for them. So it's uh, while well, it's I said a, a West, me, a Western Colorado University team that's next to last in the conference and standings they always get up for your basketball team and they certainly did that night. And, but this time around senior night, big crowd of Brownson, and you'll have uh, the emotion in your favor.
4: Yeah. I know they're going to play hard. They always do. And they've been in every game all year long, whether it's on the road um, at home and he does a good job and they play extremely hard and, and that's what we're going to prepare for. You know, I, I know they came up and beat us here last year, you know, and so It'll be a big game for them and a big game for us. We've just got to keep our emotions in check and, and go out and, and uh, you know, kind of play how we've been playing the last couple of weeks.
0: Give me your thoughts. I said it'll be senior night uh, against Western. Just uh, your thoughts about uh, some of the seniors on your basketball team.
4: Well, we only have one. It's, this just year, Laura, it so it's just we, Laura. That's true. It's just Laura. It's just Laura. Yeah. So it's just one, one girl. And like I said, she started her career at Adams State and has been here the last two years. And she's really hitting her stride and and when we needed to come on and we brought her here to, to make threes and that's what she's doing and her defense has picked up and she's been a really integral part for our team this year and she's had great leadership and so we we hope she's got a couple a uh, few more games in her that she plays well and and we can send her off the right way
0: all right so i've coverage of the mavericks of westminster tuesday night right here on the team sports network uh, it's coming up tomorrow night with the uh, pregame at five fifteen. Women will tip it at five thirty. Minutes seven thirty, and then likewise for Saturday's home games for the Maverick men and women and they take on Western. And uh, Maverick basketball brought to you by Ken Richards State Farm. Taylor, appreciate it. Thank you so much. Have a safe trip, and uh, we'll we'll talk to you soon.
4: All right, thanks, Jim.
0: All right, Taylor Wagner, coach of the Maverick women's basketball team, as the Mavericks play their final two games of the regular season at Westminster, Utah, tomorrow night, Salt Lake City, and then home Saturday against Western Colorado University.
3: One senior. They're loaded.
0: They're be they yeah.
3: are loaded for moment, for I'm like, next
0: year. Don't they have any but it's like, no, Laura Gutierrez is the only one. Everybody else will be back. Because I forgot I thought for a moment Claire Heitschmidt was a senior. She's just a junior. So yeah, they're everybody coming back mm-hmm. except Laura Gutierrez. And um you're still gonna be really young with Mason Rowland, Olivia Reed This is a nucleus of a team that could could do some special things the next couple of years. right? And still, Kylie Kravig's only a junior. And Kylie Kravig's only She's a been junior.
3: Been Mesa for seven years. Yeah.
0: Still only a it junior. Feels like that. All right, 929. Jim along with the Buckeye boy from the Bozarth Miller Chevrolet Buick Studios, the most trusted name in
3: automobiles. Gotten to see the future a couple times, too. They've been up, you know, 20, 25 late in games, and you start to see some of the 20 jersey numbers that you don't see a whole lot of. Like there's three or four different Brooks, I think, out there floating around at t- at different times. So the fresh the uh some of the freshmen are still a lot of promise on that team too. Not just the regulars that are coming back.
0: Absolutely. Like uh Jocelyn Spires, the freshman from mm-hmm. Glenwood that's got a little bit of playing time this season. Yeah. But, Brooke uh, Simon Brooke Eyer. Yeah.
3: Brooke Manzanares. I knew there's three. Lauren Deedy, she's only a junior. But I mean you look at
0: the the future is very much with their their sophomore and freshman, mm-hmm. which Mason Rowland's gonna be the RMAC freshman of the year. How's she how is she not going yeah. to be the
3: freshman of the year? Freshman I, of the year and then no pressure, three players of the year to follow. Yeah. And you've got
0: Olivia Reeds. Could very mm-hmm. well be your player of the year after being the freshman of the year last year. Yeah. For uh, Taylor Wagner and the Mavericks. All right, nine thirty. That's
3: true. They're gonna mm-hmm. split votes
0: the next two years as players Pro- of the year. Probably so. All right, let's uh, dive into four-down territory this morning. We're
1: into four-down territory on the Jim Davis Show on the team.
0: All right, start things out with first down today. Andy Reid, Chiefs coach, fairly working on a big decision. That, according to uh, NFL Network's Tom Palacero, I feel like I'm his press agent today. I've talked oh, a lot there, about yeah. That Tommy P. Uh, that Reid and the Chiefs will soon talk about a contract extension that'll make him the highest paid coach in the league so much for andy Reid retiring after he won if he won a super bowl so for general mm. manager brett veach he's also in line for a new deal both he and Reid signed extensions the chiefs had the team's championship season in 2019 and have two
3: years remaining on their current deals i heard an intriguing thing about andy reed a couple of them from peter king who we talked about earlier that he's not close really to the top five highest paid coaches in the NFL. And then set that to the side that going forward, he might just go year to year. Not to say that each year is going to be his last year for sure, but that gives him the option of some flexibility. Yeah. So that's some interesting Andy Reed notes.
0: Okay. Uh, Jay Billis earlier this morning. Yeah. Commenting on. Hey, let's expand the NCAA basketball tournament. Let's mm-hmm. put ninety teams, and wouldn't that be great? From Jay Williams, right?
3: That was pretty much Jay Williams. Jay Billis yeah. had a different. He had a different take, take on, on that. It. He thought it was stupid. Well, you want Jay? You want you want Jay Billis real quick? Here, because go. I've got more Never Jay under- Billis under- coming up too.
5: The NCAA's capacity to do something stupid. There yes. we go. I
3: just wanted to hear that again. <laughs> well, here's more
0: Jay Billis. Yeah. On court storming.
5: And but the truth is, nothing's going to change now. We're going to talk about it. It's going to go away and nothing's going to change. And if they wanted to stop it, they could stop it tomorrow. Uh, the, the, the administrators will tell you that uh, security experts tell them that it's not, it's not a good idea to try to stop the court storming, that that could cause more problems than it would solve. But you don't have to stop the court storming. One time, all you have to do is once they're on the court, don't let them off. just Just say you're all detained and give them all citations or arrest them if you want to. And then court stormings will stop the next day. Um, there's no accountability for this. It, 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 the fans feel like it's an entitlement, and the universities like it. And the truth is, we like it. Now, one last thing on this. Okay. And But the so, truth. There
0: we go. So there's Jay Billis. Yeah. Buying or selling that, that, arresting or detaining would
3: stop court I'm storming. I'm selling. It. And I talked how much I love Jay Billis, but just stop. If it was a UNC guy or a Wake Forest guy that got hurt, Jay Billis would have nothing to say about it. Really? Probably. It's a Duke guy.
0: I will give him credit. He did say we do all enjoy this, though.
3: Yes, we do. And, like, all of the court stormings, you have very few injuries. It's a lot of hand-wringing over what could be, not really what is, which I get to a point. If Filipowski
0: doesn't get hurt, do we even talk about this? No. It's all, yeah, they stormed the court because they upset Duke and yada, yada.
3: Nebraska stormed the court every other weekend (laughs) since the start of 2024, and no one's gotten hurt. It's because Nebraska keeps winning, by the way. That's neither her nor there. Watched them yesterday. Athletic director Trev Alberts, he recounted a conversation with Matt Rule, like, are we storming the court? Guess we have to. Here we go. Like, come on. Very rarely do people get hurt.
0: Yeah, the Filipowski injury, Kalen Clark mm-hmm. getting ran into, or she ran into the fan. That doesn't happen very often. Occasionally it does. There was one, oh gosh, there was an individual that got injured and eventually died from the injuries, I believe. I have to go look that up because like, I saw, I was reading about this yesterday. But that's been mm-hmm. a big time outlier in this whole thing. Right.
3: And like. I don't want to say that is the direct result of the court storming maybe the injury but who knows i don't know and i i don't know that anecdote right off the top of my head now i did find an espn article nine conferences said the home school for a court storm could be subject to a fine under certain circumstances some of the basketball conferences have precise penalties Others have general language regarding disciplinary measures. So there it is. Some have rules, some don't. Some do. ACC doesn't. doesn't have the fine structure in place. Some conference requirements keep officials and visiting teams safe and help them off the floor. That's the best you could do. And for me, some of it is. All right, we put the visiting team's bench on the right side. Their locker room tunnel's on the left side. It's across the court. You're opening up yourself for issues there. I'm not saying you have to redesign everything and relay out your arena, but you shouldn't have to make the visiting team, A, across the court completely. Like, if they're down at the far end of the court when the game's over, that's one thing. But if they have to go from their bench and cross the court instead of just going down a tunnel, that's kind of on the school for making that so. Well, it's uncomfortable. They have to walk past all these other people. Well, the world is different now than the 70s when pink made people uncomfortable. You know, now it's, you will have students take a swing at a player just because. Because then if the player hits back, the student can sue them and school's free. So you have to take more things into account now. And I don't think the solution is ah throw them all in the hooch like, Come on, Jay Ellis,
0: you're a grown up. How about have a better way of getting the teams off, getting the opposing team, yeah, off? Because it seems like opposing team they're they're more in danger of getting hurt, <laughs> yeah, than the home team. Mm-hmm. Then find a way to get them off the floor. Have them. We're gonna meet over here after the game. Say some, you know, say you guys lose. Yep. We're gonna meet over here. Tunnel's right there. We escort you off the floor, mm-hmm. and then.
3: Nothing happened. They, they put a state patrol platoon around SEC football coaches just to go to midfield to shake hands. So, like, they have this in place already for other things. They just need to kind of umbrella it. Or just have the team that's favored win. That's all. Shave them points. Have Duke win. We don't have to worry about this. There, Fix them games, baby. There was a individual
0: i don't have the first name last name is k there was a tucson high school star got injured in 2004 had a stroke and had a stroke from it so that was what i didn't did not die from it but had a stroke and so he is and obviously an advocate of of banning Mm -hmm. storming the field storming the court
3: and sonny says give the team a forfeit if their fans storm the field no have a better way of getting, like saying, getting, you know getting the team off the field the opposing team off the give field give the lombardi trophy to the niners cuz there was gunfire at the because also parade.
0: yeah because to me if you if you go out there as a fan and get hurt mm-hmm. you're you're, yeah, assuming, you're an idiot, but you're assuming you the risk of going out there into that yeah so this is more about protecting the player particularly the visiting right. team that may end up having a dust up with somebody yeah after a game
3: trying to have seven security people two husky guys Controlled 17,000 rowdy drunk college fans and if they're not able to do it, the basketball team loses a game. I'm, I'm not, not part of that.
0: I'm not down with that either.
3: Third down. Baseball's back. Cody Bellinger is back. I know. For the nice, Cubs. Big deal. Yeah. Now, coming up uh, last Thursday, Lisa in Chicago was on act saying I heard they signed Bellinger just now from a good friend who's in Arizona. I can't find anything online when Jeff Passon in the early hours of Sunday morning says breaking outfielder Cody Bellinger and the Chicago Cubs are in agreement. His salary deal with the Cubs, blah, 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 blah. Then he follows that up with Lisa was right. Good job, Lisa. Good job, Lisa. Congratulations. And we move to fourth down. We've talked Jay Williams and Jay Billis about the NCAA tournament expanding. Jay Williams says more teams in tournaments. 96, he'd be fine with that. No, 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 no. To me, that goes totally against... Well, Caitlin Clark isn't the greatest of all time because she hasn't won a championship. That goes completely against that. Like, if a team gets in and now goes on a seven-game winning streak because they're the 81st team in the bracket and they win the championship, does he now put them up there with the undefeated indiana team. well they both won national championships jay how can you say they're not as great can you as you say Bobby they're not Knight as great they won the in championship is that just me it feels like that goes totally against his caitlin clark from last I, week. I
0: get what she i get what he's saying in terms of winning a championship helps to build your resume as a player mm-hmm. i don't think it's an end-all be-all because Brady has won seven Super Bowls, but he's also put up incredible individual yeah. statistical numbers. He just wasn't a guy that was there, kind of like Big Shot Bob. Mm-hmm. Robert Horry, who was, just happened to be in the right place, right time, a contributor. But you wouldn't say Robert Horry is one of the greatest players of all time in NBA history. No. I Big Shot love Bob to just happened to be in the
3: right place, right time. Jay Williams stand in front of Charles Barkley and say he's not great.
0: I just think that's part of the narrative, but it's not all of it. It's not end all be-all in the case of Caitlin Clark. In the case of this whole thing of, well, let's have 96 teams. That's just stupid. Just stop. Stop it. All right, that's four-down territory. Mm-hmm. Time for the stay in sports history.
5: That's the story of the greatest
1: sport moment of all of history. It's time to take a trip back in time. It's this day in sports history. Back in time.
0: All right, 1935, Babe Ruth is released by the New York Yankees and signed by the Boston Braves. 1947, brothers Doug and Max Bentley lead the Chicago Blackhawks to a 9-7 win over the Rangers at Madison Square Garden. Doug Bentley scores four goals and sets up two more goals. Max Bentley scores three goals and assists on another goal. Also on this day, 1967, Mario Andretti, better known for his accomplishments in open wheel and USAC competition, Wins the Daytona five hundred by pulling away from nineteen sixty five champion Fred Lorenzen in the closing laps. It's Andretti's first and only NASCAR grand national event. He is the only person born outside the US to win the Daytona five hundred. Also on this He could drive
3: it. This dude could drive it. He's all right.
0: But how crazy is that that was it. Yeah. He goes there one time. Okay.
3: Well, I mean you won the Daytona. What do you need to do then at that point? done I, I like
0: maybe winning nascar to. championship and Andretti didn't feel the need to do that
3: i don't need to win at watkins Glen or the south point 400 i'm good i'm good one daytona Indy. i'm out 1968
0: 32 african nations agree to boycott the olympics because of the presence of south africa and finally on this day just for you and my friends that are yes. diehard bowlers 2012, Pete Weber wins a record fifth U.S. Open Bowling Championship, throwing a strike in his final ball to beat Mike Fagan 215 to 214. Weber surpasses his father Dick Weber, who won the tournament's predecessor four times, as did Don Carter.
3: He won sunglasses inside, which is stupid.
0: <laughs> but that was his—that was his trademark, man. That was his thing.
3: Doesn't make it less. <laughs> I, I,
0: I don't disagree. 9:43, and it's time for. Wrigley Field, Colorado Sports Trivia, and uh, you can win a $15 gift certificate to Wrigley Field, Grand Junction's original sports bar just east of Sam DeBlasio Field on North Avenue. Uh, They're the home of the 15-minute lunch guarantee. If you don't get your lunch in 15 minutes or less, you pay half price. So our question today, since Ed McCaffrey's coming to town this weekend, where is Ed McCaffrey on the Broncos' all-time receiving list? What number is he? on the Broncos' all-time receiving list. First correct answer wins. If you've won earlier today, you're not eligible. If you've won the last two weeks, you're not eligible. Otherwise, go for it. First correct answer wins today, 970-242-1340. Where's Ed McCaffrey on the Broncos' all-time receiving list? Where does he rank? First correct answer wins today. Text only on the team line, 970-242-1340
1: crap That's Not just crap. Today. <laughs> the team presents the Jim Davis Show on Colorado's sports leader, the team.
0: Welcome back. 947 Jim along with the Buckeye Boy tomorrow. We'll be over at Colorado Craft Coffee and Beer from Mav Day. So we'll be over there from uh, 9 to 10 tomorrow. And uh, we'll get some of the Maverick coaches over there. And we have some of the folks out of town, like Chris Hanks and the baseball team, Maverick basketball teams. We'll have some of the other coaches over there at Colorado Craft Coffee and Beer House, 1144 North 12th Street and Glenwood. It's uh, right next to Canyon Convenience. We'll be over there tomorrow. We'll have our show, first two hours here, and then we'll be over there at uh, 9 o'clock for a Mav Day. Brought to you by Colorado Craft Coffee and Beer. And uh, they also have their uh, bingo night tomorrow night as well over there at 630. So you don't want to miss that. So uh, that's in tomorrow's program. We'll also uh, have Wyatt Thompson with us tomorrow as well, our college basketball insider. All right, uh, 948, time to open up the lid. Hop in, it's garbage time this morning. We're
1: taking out the trash. It's garbage time on the Jim Davis Show on the team. Oh, I love
0: trash. All right, a couple to get to. Aaron Andrews. Was on a podcast recently and um, she was asked. Good things usually don't follow that sentence. <laughs> she was on the uh, Calm Down with Aaron and Carissa podcast. Oh, it's her own podcast. So it's the one that you, so she was on her own podcast. Oh, gotcha. Okay. So apparently she had a fan question. Someone asked her, Have you ever cried at work? And Andrews said that when she was about 19 or 20, she was working as a freelance reporter in Florida. And she went into the Bucks locker room, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And there was a player that was very nasty to her. He physically turned his back away from me in the middle of his scrum. He also told me to go back, rehearse my question, and come back when I was ready. I was mortified. I was 19 or 20. I had practiced. I did slip a little bit. I stumbled, and he knew it. He knew I was young. I instantly started having tears come down my face. So here's the good part of the story, though.
3: Guy Warren like. Sapp is no longer employed. Two oh two guys
0: that we both like a lot mm-hmm. to played for the Bucks back then, Derek Brooks and John Lynch. They came up to her and said, "What do you need?" And they kind of helped calm her down. They answered questions for her, and they they were super super nice to her. And so nice, the, the two yeah. class guys, Derek Brooks, John Lynch, where we don't know who the player was that was mean to her.
3: We can guess.
0: Might have been Warren Sapp. Probably. Probably Warren Sapp.
3: Not not a bad guess.
0: All right. I got one more. And I, then if you I got, got one. Let me grab mine and then we can okay. guess. You can you can do you got two? You, we'll go two and two hear about that. Sure. Cam Newton involved in a scuffle at a seven on seven football game in Atlanta, Georgia on Sunday. It's organized by Weeball Sports for 15 for kids under 15 and under 18. And Newton is a founder of uh C1N, which is a program that participates, that the wide receiver training facility in Atlanta for top shell performance, the youth teams were there. One of them approached Newton at the top of a set of steps underneath a Weeball Sports 10 Sunday. Newton was grabbed and a fight broke out. Two men shown fighting with Newton were both coaches for top shell performance and formerly coached with the quarterback, according to a source of knowledge on elite 7-on-7 football. So Newton grabbed one of the combatants and drug him aside when it all started police and security guards broke up the altercation and so we don't know the Newton side of it what happened but according to Nehemiah Mitchell who's the co-founder of Weeball Sports that top shelf beat C1 in in a heated game with a lot of trash talk between the under 18 teams on Saturday that boiled over into Sunday
3: let's make a list of all the former NFL quarterbacks who you would want to throw hands with ahead of Cam Newton. Yeah, there's a lot. <laughs> the man played 10 days after a car crash. Yeah, I'm,
0: I would not... Uh, Say but, what you want about Cam Newton. Yeah, I'm not Personality-wise. Big dude. Don't want... Tough guy. I'm good. Don't don't want to mess with that. Not a smart move by those guys.
3: Yeah. No, I'm not... Not great. Not, not it great. It's not like
0: they started it with him.
3: Yeah. Yeah, Six five, two forty five.
0: Yeah, you got to leave that alone.
3: Yeah, he probably... Probably run with that one. I like how he dragged one person <laughs> away. A grown-ass man. He's like, no, come here. Come here. Come here. Come here, junior. We're going to settle this. Flap, flop, flop, Okay. I got one right now. And it's, uh, have you heard of the name Tim Meza? Sounds familiar. He's a pitcher for the Blue Jays. <laughs> he uh, is also in the Blue Jays Fantasy Football League and finished last. So you know what usually happens. You have to be a little bit embarrassed. When you finish last, he didn't have to get a tattoo. He didn't have to do anything naked. He didn't have to stand on a street corner with an embarrassing sign. He did, however, have to be the bat boy in the Blue Jays' first Grapefruit League game, wearing his fantasy football record as his jersey number, 4-10. and 10. Now, it's not the worst. He could have been 0-14. He still finished last. He had to run out there and get everybody's bat with 4-10 and 10 on his back. That's
0: good, <laughs> that's good work.
3: That's good work. Pretty solid. Okay, Anything else?
0: No, I'm good. Okay, let's catch up on some text uh, from this morning. Bird Dog over at Bird Family Insurance. Nice Hagar Bumper Music good for a monument victory. Looking good doing it. Bad avalanche loss ugly Jamal Murray not making All-Star games such a joke. Also, Coach Crab, uh the men's conference is awesome. Freshing to be around these types of men. I encourage every man to go and bring your teenage sons. And once again, that's Friday and Saturday. Out at uh, Victory Life Church for that event. From Dylan, if Russ wanted to be in Denver, he would restructure his contract. Also, think he's talking out of his rear end the whole time with Brandon Marshall. No problem with court storm; you just need to wait until all players leave the court. But hard to get a bunch of drunk college kids to have that kind of patience. Avs need to figure it out. Going from Marcus. Personally, I would adjust my contract if the team took that money and brought in better talent at key positions want to win or not.
3: I love how the the millionaire is wrong for not wanting to win and for being greedy. But the billionaire who doesn't want to pay for his own stadium but wants you and me to, is the one that needs defending. I'm always that just completely bulls me over every single time. Oh, this is all Russ's fault. He's which is way too greedy. Russ
0: Russ doesn't want to win. I'm sorry, Marcus. I vehemently disagree. Russ doesn't want to win. Sometimes Russ's priorities, I kind of question them a little bit. Sometimes mm-hmm. with the brand management stuff. And but if social we're going to do media. that, but I, I don't. I don't think. I don't question, but I question maybe being maybe sidetracked a little bit. Not about his desire to win.
3: You know what winning is. Russell for the Wilson
0: owner? wants to win, and he wants to win badly.
3: The winning for the Waltons and the Penners is being in the black at the end of the fiscal year. That's... Doesn't matter whether they play the last game of the year or not. Sure, they would like
0: to win a Super Bowl. There are more issues here than just Russell Wilson. Right. And Russell Wilson's contract with this football team. We talked about that a lot last hour. There's a lot more issues here than just Russ. All right, that's
3: our... fault. It's his contract fault. It's
0: not his fault. Sorry, Marcus.